Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right. You know what that means? We are going to ask you to slow down. You are listening to the mystery of parenthood and um, we will begin with our prayer in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. You are love and life through your son, Jesus Christ, born of woman and through the Holy spirit, the fountain of divine charity grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation, a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is being recorded, so we might also ask for St. Monica to pray for us, since this is kind of a parental uh, deal. But Absolutely. Um. Thaddeus is in the house. Yeah, so. maybe we need maybe we need to make uh, Saint Monica another patron patroness of the show. I mean, oh got, yeah, we got why not? I mean, she'd Pope, be great. Pope John Paul II as the patron need a patroness too. That's good. Yeah, yeah. we'll ask we'll ask for her prayers we'll too. To get, we'll get so. Stephanie's input on it. I'm sure she's 100 <laughs> percent behind it, but I will I you will defer to you. Hearing. Don't go you don't go through life making those kinds of assumptions about everything though. Do no, you? I don't. It would be unwise. Yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> but, very unwise tactic. But in, this uh, one, I'm pretty sure marriage. she's she's good on. So, yeah. Yeah. but anyway, um, I think we're going to not thank. We are going to continue on um, on the complete my joy. Is that right? Yeah, complete, complete my, my joy. joy by uh, Bishop Olmstead from. Uh, the Bishop of Phoenix, Arizona. And, um, I, I wanted to, we were, we were, we were talking about the nature of, of the family. And as sometimes when I'm involved, it happens, you know, got too caught up on some other things and <laughs> I can't believe that. No, hard to believe. But, um, but I wanted to touch on a couple things at the end of that section before we moved on to what the remainder of the show will be about, which is about the mission yeah, of the family yeah, yeah. Um, and the role of parents and marriage and, and that. I, I thought there was a couple of really good points that that he makes at the end. And again, this is in keeping. So if we if we back up just from a big picture and think about what we've talked about for years is why we call this the mystery of parenthood is this idea of a sacramental view and that that as a domestic church we're supposed to be kind of a micro sign or a sign of the of the church herself and so um he points out two things he doesn't make this connection but i think it's kind of implicit of, of the way he structures it first he says and 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 we as parents need to take this seriously there are a couple aspects and that parents need to recognize that are part of their job um, as parents. And, what, and that first one's authority. Um, he, he talks about the, the natural good of authority and that we need authority. And we live in a world that, I mean, we couldn't be in more examples of how people don't like authority and, and tend to battle against it. And he talks about the fact that, you know, authority is there for the sake of the other. Because if it's built on love, we're meant to be a, as a family, meant to be a sign of the Trinity of God, who is love, then naturally from that authority that, that is God's, that he's sharing with us as, us as parents, 
we're meant to do what that authority's for, which is not to rule it over them, not to lord it over them, but to protect them, to guard them, to guide them, um, to help them discern all those type of things that and, and build that in. But that requires a healthy respect for and obedience to um, legitimate authority. And, and if you are a parent, you are a, a legitimate authority for your children, and that needs to be built into it. And so we'll talk a little bit later because I know it's going to come up with regard to how that authority needs to be exercised. But I think that it's important that you he, – he makes this point. He says the, uh, the word obey is derived from the Latin verb meaning to listen, and you are uniquely equipped talking to parents simply by being their parents – to teach your children to listen. And so teaching them to listen and understanding what listening is about um, is important. So, you know, one of the things I think about is sometimes kids will interrupt. You know, you need to teach them to stop, okay, listen to me first, and then if you would like to respond, you can respond. That's part of just that lots of times it's just proposing things. And so the church as authority is doing the same thing for us. We should, as children of the church, respect the authority. We should listen to them and try to be obedient to the, to them and then to the the proper authority, legitimate authority, and then recognize that it's for our good, that these things are coming out, not something that is stifling our freedom, but something that actually is given to us to help us exercise freedom appropriately, to know what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing to do, how we should respond to this problem or that problem. So I, I, I think it's worth pointing out that, that the first of these things that he talks about is authority and that link between us as being an example of that as a family and, and parents as that legitimate authority being similar to the authority that is the church, the, yeah. the bishops. You know, I, I think that... Uh Growing up, I, um, I it was it was well understood by by me, and I, I felt like it was well understood by my my friends and peers and classmates that one of the things that you were kind of quote unquote signing up for to be a Catholic was orthodoxy. You, like you're you're accepting that to be a part of this church means. There's like this list of things, and you accept it. Right. It's not. It's not up for grabs. It's not up for um, discussion. Right. You know. There. It turns out there. There actually is a lot that is prudential, but there are certain well-defined, you know, signposts or well-defined um, speed bumps that you. Right, and that's pay attention to, and I think that um, where I'm going with this is, I think that the divorce epidemic in the United States and how it has over the decades touched the Catholic population in the United States, I think that has eroded that uh, that sort of pre- presumption that oh, what it means to be a Catholic is that you accept the the teachings and the and the authority of the the church and these dogmas and 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 whatnot and so i think that's a very clear example of how the breakdown of the family erodes the character of the of the faith and the way that the faith is lived out and it it's it's just as much that way as the the faith itself communicating and instilling in the faithful that they are to adhere to these teachings and why. Does that, does that make sense? Right. And I think, you know, I think it's important when you're talking about authority to help your kids understand, particularly in this day and age, that rules are good. You can't play a sport without rules. I mean, you, if people just make it up, you know, or you can't drive around safely on highways or around town without 
having a reasonable assumption that everybody's going to follow those rules. It provides for freedom. Right. Uh, it, you know, it provides for the ability for people to function together freely because they know that everybody's else for the most part is following the rules that we've all kind of agreed to for the sake of all. It doesn't limit us to, to know that I need to stop at a stop sign because I know that if I start going at a stop sign, there's a stop sign there that people are going to stop at that stop sign. They're not going to hit me or if it's a red light. And if people break those rules, then there are unfortunately often consequences that happen that hurt other people. And again, that I think it's really important to understand that there are Rules are not something that limits you. They actually allow for the free expression within the right guidelines, within the right framework so that we can function appropriately. That's important to point out because there's a lot of people that think that any sort of authority, any sort of limitation is somehow an impingement on my freedom. And that's not true. It's actually something that allows freedom to happen. I think more than ever, parents need to take the time to point out and you can i mean kids kids sometimes make up rules as they go or you know when they're younger you know no you got to follow this rule it's not your turn yet i mean those type of things and everybody understands the injustice in something simple like that but you can teach that there's a reason there's a certain order to things Mm -hmm. and it's for our good. It's so that we can have fun playing a game. It's Mm -hmm. so that we can have safety where we go. And I think it's important uh, to teach that. Another great example of that, that can be born out in the family is when you're in the kitchen, that cookbook is your authority. It's, it's laying down rules that you have to follow. If you want to make a meal that is edible and nutritious and, Yes, there can be some variation or, uh, you know, change. But at the same time, if it says to bake something at 350 degrees and you decide, well, I'm just going to bake it at 450 degrees or 500. Right. Or I'm going to use salt instead of sugar. sugar. You know, it looks the same. You're going to ruin it. Right. Yeah, it looks the same. Exactly. I mean, so all all those things are opportunities to teach, hey, while we're making it, it's interesting. We, we were actually following the rules, but it's going to taste the way it's supposed to taste, the way we expect it to taste, because we're following these rules. Mm-hmm. So then we're free to eat it, because if it tastes awful, nobody's going to eat it. Mm-hmm. It's going to go in the trash. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's just different ways that you can bring this out in just normal interactions. And then as they grow older, extend it to, but we as parents have to know, you know, we, we always have talked about the fact that it's important to know the moral reason why so that you can at least somehow express that to your children, that there is a reason why we don't do this or why we do do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, and the reason that is, again, they need to see a connection between authority and the guideposts that are put out there and their good and the good of the other people that they no, um, that's not the only reason, because as we'll talk about later, I mean, this is about an encounter with a person. It's about Christ. But out of love, we as parents will set guidelines. And, that, and I think that that's kind of leads into the next one, which I thought this was a pretty cool image I had never seen, which is John Chrysostom, yeah. St. John Chrysostom talking about that a, a child is basically a walled city with five gates and the five gates are the five senses and that we as parents are to help figure out what gets through those gates, what gets stopped, you know, before it enters, and and to be purposeful, proactive, um, mediators of that. I mean, people that are actively involved in saying, you know, it's probably better that you not watch this. It's always good to expl- be able to explain it. There's other things where, like we said, okay, it's it, that it's it's not time for that to go through that gate at this point. You know, so like the passion was something that we talked about with our kids. Well, we were, we as parents were looking at our kids and seeing how they reacted to certain type of things. And so we let, even with triplets, we let some of the, some of the triplets watch the passion sooner than we let another one of the triplets because it was going to disturb her <laughs> until she was older. 
and it wasn't going to disturb them. And we as parents made that, that would seem unfair, but actually it was because we were concerned about them. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean by, you know, it doesn't always mean no doesn't mean no forever, always. Sometimes no is no, that, that you shouldn't do that ever. But sometimes no, it's just not time yet. And, and we as parents, again, need to be people who are saying, okay, what is going into their ears? What's going into their eyes? What, you know, what are they touching? Right. Those type of things. And be able to express that in a way that communicates. I'll come back to it again because it's absolutely important that as parents, we don't just enforce rules because we know why, but we have to begin to make and connect the dots for them so that they can understand it. Because what's the point? The point is it has to become theirs at some point. We're not always going to be there. That's the point I was going to make about the image that he borrows from St. John Chrysostom, that St. John points out that the parents are he doesn't put them down as the rulers of the city. He says they're the regents of the city, and that's a big difference. Oh, wow, that's a good point. Because the regent is the usually the father or the mother who is holding the monarchical authority in trust while the future king or queen is in their minority. Right. So they're exercising the authority of the king while the king is in its his minority before he's of age. And also at the same time, instructing the king in how to use that authority wisely. That's, a, that's great. Very and that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Exactly, parents. because ultimately those gates don't go away. That's I right. mean, as a, as a human being, those gates are always there, assuming all health. <laughs> but normally they're, they're, they're there, so they have to be, and it's part of, it's another image on like we talk about, about parenting in the funnel that we set these guy these right. guidelines these limits but we're always trying to expand those limits to let them do it always pointing them to the fact that it at some point they're going to be the ones that have to set the limits we can't do everything sometimes we can't do something because it's not good for us sometimes we can't do something because we got to make a choice of one thing over another and we got to help them determine okay this is a better choice than that choice we can't have our kids live on lockdown there in well then, but they can't and 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 there's they're not meant to live on lockdown exactly and so if we don't help them understand why we keep this gate closed for these type of things and and get them to understand why and again that's not a one-time deal that's a you know, I talk about we talk about pitching the pennies into like you just save pennies just a little bit here, give a thought there, give an example here, show them that always going forward, and at some point you've got to tell them, look, you're ultimately our job is to get you where you're making those decisions. We're, we don't want you to that, and you're not meant to always be protected. And the reality is, as parents, if we are the sole decision maker and not including them, what happens when we're gone? What happens when they go somewhere else? Well, what typically happens if you parent in a tube as opposed to a funnel and you've never done it, when they go out, it's all wide open to them. They, they don't know what it is. And so you do see people whose parents are super strict and don't do anything in terms of trying to have it become theirs that they often go out and do all kinds of things because like, oh, now I'm free to do this because they've made no connection about what's well, probably good not to do that. And so we can't just raise kids. I mean, I've had, I had a parent and a friend, you know, who I know actually the, the, the girls my age, but her parent said, you can do anything you want after you leave here. But as long as you're under my roof, it's this way. She always obeyed. Well, when she, I mean, within six months, all kinds of bad things happened to her after her leaving the house because she had no, she had been not coached in how to make good decisions and that there were times to say no to things, even if you might think you want to say yes. So part of authority, again, is for them, but part of authority is like that, as you were saying, that the idea of a, of a regent, which I'm not as up on, but, but I, I like the way you explained it is to teach them how to make those decisions, model it for them, help them walk through it so that when they're by themselves, 
it's somehow back there so that they can say, okay, then I need to think through it this way. And that's what authority's for, not to just get kids to behave, not just to get them to be quiet, you know, not get in the way. That's not what it's for. It's for instructing them and helping them grow towards adulthood to where it's their gates that they're guiding. So anyway, that was right. And so the the other, the next one was, which is what the church is too, to educate them, which is part of what we're talking about here, to educate them in how to think, to educate them about what's true and what's good and what's beautiful as a, and, and put that in contrast to those things that come out in the day to day that you can say that you see how that's not a good thing. So there's a great poll quote there that says fathers and mothers are teachers because they are parents. And I think a lot of people don't think that. I, 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 maybe I'm wrong. It's a lost confidence. But, but there should be confidence. And, it, and, it, and he's, the next, the very next one, he talks about God's grace. And, and remember, if family in a Catholic Christian view is a sacrament. So grace is going to be na- made available and grace elevates our nature. Grace helps us with what to say when we don't know what to say. Helps us to understand we ought to handle it this way. It helps us to recognize if we've handled something wrong to, to go back and say, hey, we mishandled this and exp- and show that to them. So we need to be educators um, of them. And just because we're not perfect at it, because you're not, we still have an obligation to do our best at that. So trust in God's grace that he's going to give you, because if you are a parent, you are meant to be an authority. If you are a parent, you are meant to be an educator. And that both that goes both for, and he, he talks about prayer as being another aspect, which is essential, is to teach him to pray. I mean, how do you do that? You pray before they go to bed. You pray prayers on the way to school. You, you pray at, at dinner. You know, you offer up prayers when somebody, when you hear about somebody being sick. I mean, you make it part of, you don't have to fabricate. I mean, you can have those set times, but you just have to basically show them that you're engaging God. You're asking God into problems. You're asking God into, well, thank you, God, for this beautiful sunset. You're asking God into whatever you're experiencing. But the way to do that is in, is not like prearranged situations, which it can be, but it's, it's really to let them know we're inviting them into whatever. Man, this is so great that we're getting to swim in a lake or whatever, whatever it is. But you just are showing them that he's in our life and he's meant to be that way. So basically part of the nature is, before we move on to mission, is it that we're supposed to be the authorities. We're supposed to embrace that and teach them to listen and why they should listen because we are looking out for their best interest. We're teaching them. We're educating them. Um, educating, he uses, I didn't ever know this, but he uses that education is to lead out. Yeah. And I, I like the image, yeah. the, the word meaning to lead out. For a lot of reasons, you're leading them out, meaning ultimately you're leading them out of your house which we're, we're beginning to experience. And, and every once in a while we have children make decisions and you're like, wow, that was a really good decision. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that you made it that way and your thought process was right. So even when they leave, you're, you're, you need to encourage them on, on those type of things, even when they're gone. I mean, we, Kennedy made a decision and asked him, like, what's your thought process? He's 19 years old. He's, he's moved out. I was like, that's a great thought process. I mean, so you're affirming them in that so that when you do that, you can also, when they make a mistake, even when they're older, you can ask the same question. What was your thought process? Why were you doing Why? Why do you think that was a, this is would you, any way you could see that wrong? It's better instead of lecturing <laughs> to draw them out so that you can lead them out into the world. That's what education is. And then prayer um, and the reliance on God's grace and trusting that his grace will raise us up is essential to in this crazy time of trying to be a parent in in a culture that seems to be totally antagonistic to what we're trying to do to trust that God's grace is available and I so I thought that was important to bring that point before we moved on to mission yeah, and I, I want to just cite this other another quote from Bishop Olmsted it's number 47 
I just thought this is beautiful. The family, including your family, is the irreplaceable center of life and love for the world and the church. I mean, wow. Well, that's, I mean. I mean, if that doesn't get you excited about being a being a spouse and being a parent, what 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 else? What do you get excited about? That's what it is. And, I, and we've lost sight of that. I mean, as a culture, we've lost sight of the fact that the family, as God has designed it, is really the f- the building block of not only what we experience now, but the future. And and so there is nothing more important. Your job is not more important than your family. And yes, we'll talk about it later. As dads, we're meant to be providers and protectors, but it doesn't stop there. It's got to be more than that. It has to be, I'm going to be a good spouse. I'm going to serve. I'm going to sacrifice for the sake of the good of the people in my family. Well, and there's lots of kind of goods that we provide as fathers beyond material goods. Absolutely. And I think some people will stop at that. Well, I provide, you know, a roof over your head. I provide a meal to eat. Well, those are good. And, and, very important. Um, however, to stop there is to put off a responsibility that's yours as well. But we'll talk about that later. So um, anyway, it is something we should be excited about. It is something that we, if we understand it, and that's where we get to this one. He's talking about the mission of every family, which is so extending from the nature of the family, which is meant to be kind of this icon of the blessed trinity father son and holy spirit love and life itself and an icon of jesus and his relationship with his church all that we're now that means that we have a mission to accomplish and he he brings back up what we point what you pointed out the last time which i thought was really cool he, he brings it up again that the family in general, a family has the mission to guard, reveal, and communicate love. That's, that is the essence of the mission. The reality is, is that you, that looks different. It's kind of like holiness. We're all called to holiness, but that's going to look different based on your family's gifts, talents, situations, where you, where you live, the, your community. I mean, all those things are going to be things that make it different. So I, I did like his, and this is, this is countercultural, you know, the mission is carried out by fathers being fathers, by mothers being mothers. This is a quote of Bishop Olmstead, by sons being sons and by daughters being daughters. And so he makes a point, one of my favorite lines, and, and, and actually St. John Paul II is actually, when he says this, he's actually echoing something that he tell, talks to Christians about he's early on his pontificate. He says, Christian become who you are calling us out as individuals, but he likens in where I think this is out of familiarity consortium. I think it may have been in his letter to families. I can't remember exactly, but he says family become who you are. And he goes on to say in that to point out that, that just like each individual is unique and unrepeatable, Every yeah. family is unique and unrepeatable. Right. So become who you are means that, you know, guard, reveal, and communicate love. That's a, that's a general direction that we're headed. But how that looks is going to be different based on personalities, temperaments, where you are, what kind of, you know, children with disabilities. I mean, you, you go through it. It's going to look different. You're unique and unrepeatable. I'm not supposed to, my family's not supposed to be the Romanskis, and the Romanskis are not supposed to be the Cashins. I mean, we're, the Romanskis are meant to be the Romanskis, and the Cashins are meant to be the Cashins. They're going to look different, but if we're doing the right thing, we're all pointing in the same direction. It's just going to be different. It'll be a different look, a different feel. It'll be unique and unrepeatable. Holiness is awesome. It's not like everybody looks the same. The more holy one becomes, the more uniquely unrepeatable they are. 
so unlike you know unlike what a lot of ha- happens with a lot of people who think they're rebelling to try to be unique and unrepeatable they end up looking the same as everybody else as opposed to if you just become who you were created to be you know St. Catherine of Siena is one of my favorites it's, it's Kingsley's um, patron saint you know she says become who you are and you will set the world on fire don't become like anybody else. Become exactly who you are, your temperament, your intellect, your situation, where you find yourself. Those are all unique and unrepeatable in the way that God's going to shape you. That, again, is something to be excited about. So as a parent, we need to look at our kids and say, okay, we as a family are unique and unrepeatable. But our kids, each of them, we need to help them kind of say, okay, here are your unique talents, and this is where they can be used. Hey, why don't you go talk to this person about maybe that and, and, and help them and encourage them, lead them out into the world and say, well, I see this is a really good gift that God's given you, something that's naturally yours. So we ought to foster that. So go do it. Well, that's how you build a culture going forward. That's how you impact the next generation that's how you impact the generation after that. I mean, that's the way I mentioned. You, you can look at all the problems that we have in this country, but the reality is what I can do, what you can do, what any family can do is embrace this mission and say, this is how I'm going to impact it. I'm going to impact it by becoming who I'm meant to be, and then we'll set the world on fire. Not, not in the way that they're doing it in other cities, but get people to understand, wow, what do these people have that's different? I want some of that. You know, to draw, you lead them out to draw them in, <laughs> to draw others in, to ask. So, Yeah, and I think that that's so great. That sort of ties back to that authority piece, too, of you're playing your, you're playing your role in the family, but you're being informed and guided by the wisdom of the church, by the teaching of the church, by the nature of the sacrament. So, you know, yeah. you're you're being the best father that you can be while in accord with some of these non negotiable Right and, and so and so as a parent And that helps you. Right. And as a parent also all that all that is central to it, but then then seeing the big picture that there's no mistake that I'm a parent in 2020. God did. God knew exactly where I would be exactly. from the beginning of time. So the situation that which when which we find ourselves a pandemic, all kinds of th- weird things going on with the family, all kinds of things going on in different cities where anarchy's going. I mean, God's not surprised. <laughs> I mean, He wasn't surprised, and and he, it's it's we have to look at the circumstances in which we find those are the teachable moments. Those are the things that God has put in our way as a gift. It sounds like crazy that that would be, but as a gift to help us say, okay, what needs to be addressed? And I love the way that Bishop Olmstead goes through this because over and over he'll say. After he gives encouragement, ask the Lord to lead you, follow him, ask him for the grace. And just like that, he's, he's, he is in a way modeling what we need to do, which is, okay, this is madness I'm living in right now. This is crazy. But God knew I was going to be here and he knew I was going to be the parent of these children at this moment in time. And living out my parenthood does not mean to say all oh, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. It is here are the things that God has kind of allowed me to enter into for the purpose of teaching of me learning and of me teaching my children. So don't look at it as a bad thing. Look at it as a, hey, this is a gift. That's how that outlook is how there can be joy in the midst of suffering. There can be joy in things that we don't understand if we recognize it for what it is. So if you hear me excited, it's because I am excited. This is, and you've got to let your kids know this. I've told my kids a few times recently, and I need to tell them again. He knew that you'd be graduating from high school in 2020. 
you you are the suffering and things that are you're going through that other kids your age have not had to live through. He knew that. That's not a punishment towards you. That is some sort of calling. The question for the rest of your life is, what is he trying to teach me in and through this? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to enter more into? And if you see that, there's no boredom. There's no woe is me. There's, okay. I mean, I've got somebody else in charge. I'm along for the ride, but I've got to do something. So it, hopefully that's a, an encouragement to people out there because I, because that is the way that you have to teach your children. And that is the way, if you don't have it that way, ask God, show me, beg him. Those are questions, those are prayers that he, I guarantee you he'll answer. It won't necessarily come in a flash of a, a word or a, or a booming voice necessarily, but he will lead you if you just ask him. Uh, let me run down that that little tangent just a little bit farther. I think sometimes we have a tendency to, you know, wish that our our purpose or why we're going through something would just, you know, be revealed to us by God and but I think if we really look at our our human nature and and how we respond to things, one of the capacities of human beings and that that just human beings love is is discovery we love discovering things right and so think you know really it would be it would be very bland and contrary to our nature if we you know arrived at our at 18 and there was this booming voice and flash of light and said you will do this and your right. life will play out this way it would feel imposed upon but instead because we discover what our mission is as we go through life we are that's another way that the lord makes us co-creators in our own destiny absolutely that 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 is something that we need to build and understand ourselves you want to you want to know why people are hopeless you want to know why fear is ruling them because they have no sense many or most of them have no sense that god is not surprised by this and he is not surprised that you were in this. He may only be surprised that you're not recognizing, hey, this means there's something for me to do in this moment at this time that he's prepared me for. So open yourself up to receive that. And that again, like, I, like you said, it is a discovery. God is a God of surprises. There's nothing boring about God. He shows up at the most unexpected times. And he, and he will show up in and through people, circumstances, whatever. Open up every day. You know, I did it for years with the kids, but this, I, you know, show me, open my eyes to see you at work in my life. That's a great prayer to start every day. Let me see you in the circumstances in which I find myself. Let me see you in the people that I meet, in the words, let me hear you in the words that people are speaking to me. And then... Let me be you towards those people in those circumstances. And, and if you live a life like that, doesn't mean it's going to be easy because the cross is at the center of our faith. There's going to be suffering. It's sometimes unfair suffering. But the good news is there's Resurrection Sunday. There's Easter Sunday behind, but, but beyond that. So there's always hope. So when you hear people that seem hopeless on either side of right or left, liberal or conservative, if you hear hopelessness, it's because they've lost sight of who's in charge of this great event that we're going through. And we as Catholics, we as Christians, have got to show the world that we're doing everything we can, but we're not desperate. We're not despairing. We have hope. We're not sad just waiting for this, but we're joyful because we know that something is going on here. It's a crucible. It's a, an oven. I mean, it's, it's something that is transforming us into something else. So anyway, a little fired up, become, but become who you are. And, and specifically during this time, parents and families, what we're going through is exactly what God is asking us to become who we are in. He's using that to help us become who we are. The only answer is, yes, Lord, 
The only answer is, okay, Lord. The only answer is, show me, I'll do it. And that should be exciting. It's the great adventure. I mean, it really is the great adventure. It can be a very mundane, boring life only if you see what's going on as me just getting through. God wants us not to, he, he wants us to thrive. He wants us to become who we are. So anyway, yeah. I'll get off my soapbox no, uh, that, but. Um, this is excellent, but next, the, the next kind of subsection in this part three is your marriage centered on Jesus Christ. Right, and I, and, and, and I think, so I like the, because I'm an old Mission Possible guy back from when it was actually a. A, a, TV a, a TV show, which most Peter, people out there Peter probably, Graves, right? Peter Graves. Yeah, but you know, he said he he uses a quote from the beginning of that. And if you've seen the movies that have come out, you, same thing. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, well, he's laying out the mission, but he's pointing to the fact that we have to accept it. We have to accept it as individuals, as a husband and as a wife, and we have to accept it as a couple. Mm-hmm. And then even as parent, even as a family, we have to accept it as a family. And so I think it's important to recognize it's like everything else. Every gift that's given to us, every grace that's given to us has to be accepted. It has to be a yes. He's not imposing things. He's saying, just give me a yes. Just give me permission. And... To, and I'm asking you to be to to accept this mission. So I think that was it. So getting to that, first thing is is you know your your marriage has got to be centered on Jesus Christ. And and I I love this quote. I've heard it. I've ne- I've often not got it out of my mouth. So I was glad it was written out here because um, I've misquoted it or misstated it before. But I think it's great. It, and he's saying that marriage and family life is difficult, but Again, pointing back to anything that you do, anything that is worthwhile, anything that is rewarding is necessarily going to require work, struggle, overcoming obstacles, doing more than you think you're capable of doing (laughs) Uh, and embracing that. He said, G.K. Chesterton said this about Christianity, but I think it's, it's the same about this mission. It is not that Christianity has been tried and found lacking. Instead, it is that it has been found difficult and left untried. Mm-hmm. So dare you <laughs> to say yes. I dare you to step out into the deep of this mission and trust that God is going to do that. So I think that that's it. And again, this is something that I have two verses that I've always done and, and it I actually wrote them down here. Well, one of them was already included. I think it's a good prayer. At my office, it, it, I've, I have it. The first thing I see when I walk into my office, and it's it's one of mine is is John fifteen five. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Why does it need to be centered on it? You can do nothing. You cannot achieve this. But then he ends it with, which is the other verse that I always have, nothing will be impossible with God. So apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, nothing's impossible. So we have to be a beam of hope for those people who are out saying marriage is not worth it. It's too hard. It's a social construct. It needs to be embraced. And unless we're connected to Christ, we can do nothing. Now, we can do things, but we can do nothing meaningful. We can do things, but we won't become who we're meant to be. Yeah. We, we can do things, but we won't set the world on fire. We won't show the world, wow, that's crazy. I mean, I, you know, uh, it, go ahead. What? came what came uh, flashing into my mind was um, the the famous first line from uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins most famous poem God's grandeur he was a, a Jesuit priest and Never, a poet uh, from the uh, late 19th century British and I went to Jesuit high school that's why I yeah. learned these kind of things um, anyway the the very first line is 
the world is charged with the grandeur of God. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. Right. Now you, and I, I feel like that's kind of what we're we're grabbing onto here is that if you accept that mission of your family and you and you begin to live it out, you're gonna get connected to that that electrical current of of God's grandeur and glory and his his holy ghost working through all things the poem goes on and and says that nature is never spent there lives the dearest freshness deep down things right yeah i mean if we're if we're connected to the holy spirit and christ through our faith and we know what our mission is every day is fresh Every day is charged, and that's good. That's good. That's good news too, because you know we're going to fail. The great news is, is every day we can get up and start over again. Right. You know we we have failures, but it's like anything else. It is a battle. If you try to do the right thing, you're going to experience obstacles, whether it's people or spiritual things, whatever it is. You're going to experience bumps in the road, curves you weren't expecting. All those type of things. But again, we have to have the eyes of faith to recognize. And I, I mean, we're, we've gone through a lot. So hopefully this has been good. We've got a bunch to talk about and we're not going to get there. However, I do think that it's what we've talked about is so important that people be encouraged. And that if you're not encouraged, then ask him to light that fire. You know, ask him to show you. How? Because we are not living a surprised life. We may be surprised. We may not understand why. We may, not, we may never understand why on this side of the grave. But we can know that if we're in a family, we're meant to guard, reveal, and well, the, <laughs> the three things. Um, guard, reveal, and communicate. And communicate. Love, we we know that, and love is the gift of oneself in the midst of where we find it. It's entering into the suffering of others. So, for the sake of the other, that's what Christ did, and that's how we do it. So, enter into the suffering of your child is doing. Don't you know? Don't say oh, get over it. Enter into it. Help them work through it. Help them to think. Pray with them. Those are things that are seem like small things, but those are actually how we teach them to be out there in the world. So anyway, we, we probably can start on, on the rest and obviously we're gonna have to come back and, and, and talk yeah, on we've, three, we've but, but I want, little... I listen, I just want people out there to be a little fired up about the opportunity because if, if, if there are difficulties, the greater the difficulties, the greater the good God intends to come from it. It's a fact. If, if you don't, that is what we are guaranteed to be true. We may not always see it, but if we ask him for it and we dive ourselves into it and give ourselves to it instead of sh- shrinking back from it, then that's where he's going to change us and where we'll set the world on fire. So I think the first thing, and then we'll probably just get to go through this, maybe these first two things. One was the blessings of a chaste life. So with regard to mission, talking about the fact that that chastity is central, and I think most people, most people don't understand that chastity does not mean celibacy. Chastity is the properly ordered use of sexuality within the confines of the way God designed it. Right. That's what chastity is. So we can be chaste and married and have children. <laughs> so we're meant to be chaste. And I think that's really important that, that he, that's... He, he even says here, a healthy marriage is impossible without marital chastity. Absolutely. A healthy marriage is impossible without marital chastity. And, and so I think, it's, I think that points us to the fact that we don't get married so that we can have a sexual relationship, but we shouldn't have a sexual relationship without being married. And it points us to the fact that there is love that does not, that 
so we, we were living in a society that has this love and sex are like equated with one another. Right. And it's just not true. Se- human sexuality is meant for, it's the sacramental sign of the wedding vows. It's a sacramental sign that is renewed, meant to be renewed, that faithfulness. I'm with, I'm you and me together forever. Well, till death do us part. You know, total. I'm not holding anything back. All I've got is yours, and I hope that all that you've got, and I'll receive everything you've got from me. Faithful, fruitful, that you're open to life. Um, So chastity is recognizing that in a world of contraception where chastity gets thrown out the door because it's not a properly ordered, it's divorcing love and life from that act. See, we don't make these connections, but that's the beauty of the incarnation. It's the beauty of what is that we don't make the connection that when we live out certain things, it has an impact. Right. And also what we, let's not forget too, we also have on the other side of contraception or, or kind of the mirror image of it is the um, what am I trying to say here not only do we have um, the unitive being divorced from the uh, the procreative but we also have the <laughs> gosh I'm really stumbling not only do we have the procreative being ripped off from the unitive but we have the unitive being ripped off from the procreative so when we have uh, test tube babies, absolutely sur- surrogate he, pregnancies, surrogate motherhood. I mean, all those abortion, are, all those things. All those things are, yeah. Let's keep the procreative aspects and let's just ditch the unitive, unitive. and that's a distortion too. Right, and we're 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 at the end, but we've got so much to go. But we need to, and we need to get like Monica Ashauer, I think, yeah. to to to, to talk more about here. this. But I think that, that that we have to see that we're a unified whole. We're meant to be an integrated whole as a person. Spiritual and bodily, not somehow separated. But anyway, um, this has been fast. So God bless you guys. I hope that everything is um, going great for you. I hope you're encouraged. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And boy, if you'll do it, he will. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen.